0: the podcast Unimagined, where current and former students share how they imagine education in schools could be regarding student leadership. We ask them to share about their experiences and offer advice on how we can all do better. In this interview, Kella agreed to share her story. There's a trigger alert in this conversation. We talk about a young teenager's experience in high school and how the anxiety of school and pressure put on her by teachers and the system created an atmosphere where she felt that she needed to try and kill herself. Those were the words that she used. I'm not going to dance around the subject. We talk about how she got to the point of feeling like there was no way out, and how we as educators created the atmosphere in which she felt she had no other choice. She shares some signs. It's a long one, but I promise you, it is powerful and worth your time. Taylor wasn't able to be a part of today's interview, but this was a really important one for me, the story, Isn't the story I thought I was gonna hear. When I think of mental health challenges that my students might face, I think they must be struggling with their peers. Many of my questions that I intended to ask Hela were prepared to ask her about her relationships with her peers and what, as a teacher, I could have done differently. But in the end, I have to think about how I, as a teacher, might be adding to students' mental health issues But perhaps after listening to Kella's story, you can reflect on some areas where you might be able to provide some flexibility to alleviate anxiety for your students. Look for the signs that Kella tells me, and I hope, like me, you will vow to do better to avoid the challenges Kella faced for students in the future.
1: Imagine what they will do. I know you can imagine
0: too. I'm really excited to be able to be here with Hella and her mom. We are going to talk about a lot of different things. What I want to start with is the question about personal growth. Part of being a good leader is identifying and recognizing that you have to grow continually. Would you describe your path from when you were in high school to where you are right now as a journey of personal growth? Absolutely, yeah. What are some of those areas that you feel you were able to develop as you went from high school to the age that you are right now?
2: A really big thing that I've been able to grow in would be being able to communicate more. And I feel like my job has helped me a lot with that because I have a really good support team, mainly made up of my coworkers. And they're just consistently backing me up. And it's really easy to communicate anything and everything with them, both work related and personal. So that helps
0: a lot. I'm curious what you thought when I reached out to you. I was completely surprised and caught off
2: guard entirely. I know that as a teacher, you deal with tons of kids every day. So it's just kind of a weird feeling to realize I was one of those hundreds upon hundreds of students that you cared enough about to actually like reach out and make that connection. And I know that a huge thing that's still in my head was that I know that when, when I had you as a teacher, sorry, I'm like struggling for words. I, I knew that in at least some aspect, like I didn't think you would forget about me per se, mainly because of like when you came to see me in the hospital, nobody randomly does that. So I feel like it was just surprising to me just after like all of these years, cause it's been what, five years. It's just really nice to know that like you're still thinking of me.
0: Why do you think I remembered you?
2: I mean, that's kind of a tough question. Because I don't particularly understand, I guess, why, why you would have remembered me all this time. I know that we had a lot of really good talks before and after class. But other than that, like, I just, I didn't really see how I could have made and impact, I guess.
1: Am I allowed to interject here? You would be noticed because everybody would be your potential. You couldn't see it because you were a teenager going through a massive amount of stuff. But anybody on the outside see that you were smart. You were you could do the work. You could get along with others if other things weren't in the way. You had enough going on that stopped you from that potential doesn't mean you
0: won't remember. I do think your mom's right about, you're not the only one. So many students really feel like, it's just so hard for me. Why would this one teacher wanna work with me when they have all of these other students? Why me? Chemistry is the vehicle that puts us in the place together it's the opportunity to have conversations about other things that builds that relationship and keeps that connection that's a memory that sticks with me why are you willing to share this story with me and potentially a greater audience i
2: feel like with everything that everything that i've gone through might be really helpful like if other people can hear it and kind of understand Maybe somewhere in the same place, and it would be helpful to get them through. Hopefully, like, pave a smoother road for their future. With the connection that you and I have built, when I took your chemistry class and when we were talking, I feel really comfortable sharing all of this with you, especially because you came to see me during one of the lowest points of my life. So it builds up that trust and appreciation that I have for you.
0: What do you remember about that year as a student in high school?
2: Well, I know that it was extremely hectic and stressful.
1: I remember it was a terror feel. Every day was a nightmare, and it was something that I couldn't stop for you.
2: I was taking two honors classes plus the accelerated chemistry and accelerated Spanish, and that was really, like, a lot. On my plate, and it was hard to keep up with everything, especially with all of the home life stuff going on. It really impacted my ability to focus on my homework at home, so I couldn't really learn things as fast as I would have liked. So I know that my grades suffered a lot that year. I know it was really frustrating because in some of the classes that I was failing, I tried to speak to that teacher, see if we could work something out, or I could come in and make up the tests and everything like that. But the only possible way that they had that I could do that was if I stayed after school, which at the
0: time wasn't really an option for me. Because you missed those assessments in class, you asked to make them up and the times that they had available were not not offered to you.
2: Like they were very selective with who they gave that time to.
0: How does that happen? availabilities to other students? It was
2: really only the one teacher because I know that the time that they did have available, they were given to students that they had more classes with or students that they spent more time around just in general.
0: How did that impact you as a student not being able to make those assessments up? I ended up failing this class. You were a student who were, was in high honors classes, advanced classes. You were taking chemistry as a sophomore for our school, which was earlier than most students. We don't treat mental health the same way we treat physical health. Can you share some ideas on ways that as teachers... We might be able to open the door for our students to be able to have that comfort in having that conversation about our mental health. Could you help me as a teacher know how to foster that environment in my classroom so that you might be willing to have that conversation with me?
2: If you notice that a specific student is struggling, then... I would say like try to talk to them one-on-one, but don't like go straight for the personal stuff. Ask them if they're having trouble in the class because it seemed like they were having troubles focusing or something like that. And then if they feel comfortable enough, then it would allow them to open up and be like, oh yeah, I couldn't focus, I have a lot going on, and it might allow them to Open up a little bit more to help start build that relationship where they would feel comfortable enough. Because I know that a lot of the time when I was in school, I didn't, a lot of my teachers had no idea what was going on. Some of them did because I felt comfortable enough with them. You, for example, I know that we had a lot of talks. Another teacher of mine, I was able to talk with him a lot and he was willing to work with me. Ended up relieving a lot of pressure actually surrounding my anxiety because I worked up the courage one day to talk to him because he noticed that with public speaking in front of the class that I was suffering. So he asked what he could do. And when I explained my anxiety, we actually worked out a plan.
0: Do you think that every teacher should provide every student those opportunities? Or do you think that we should be holding every kid to the same expectations and the same standards?
2: I feel like there should be expectations set that everyone should be trying to reach and should be expected to reach. But at the same time, given that every single circumstance is different, there should be ulterior routes to the same destination. For example, the teacher that worked with me during flex blocks and lunch blocks, I know that he he would have given that opportunity to anyone who needed it because he, as a, as a teacher, didn't care about the grades, but cared about the success of his students. feel like instead of just basic expectations, it should be that we set a destination and allow students to work with teachers however they need to, to find the
0: ulterior routes that work best for them to reach that destination. I think... Destination is absolutely the word that we should be using for education because we all have a destination and that destination may take me longer to get there because maybe I'm starting from a further distance than you are. My path to getting to that destination might be bumpier than yours, but we still end up in the same place. And if I, as a teacher can give you bigger tires to get over the bumps then then you can get to that destination. I just love the way you put it. When I think of my chemistry class now and thinking of, of it as a destination, I can see how I can help students, how do I know when somebody's pretending to be okay when they're not really okay.
2: So that's the kind of thing that definitely varies from person to person, but a lot of it like in a classroom setting if like if you notice that they aren't really focusing as well as they usually do because even just comparing them to other students just doesn't really work a lot because everyone is so different but if you realize that their level of focus compared to any other time that you've paid attention to their focus ability if you notice that it's declined at all or changed in any way then you can kind of go off of that. Be I mean, like, hey, I noticed you were a little spacey in class today and kind of build on that. Or depending on the person, there might be like physical cues. I know that I used to fidget a lot with basically anything I can get my hands on. But like in class, it was like clicking my pens, playing with any bracelets that I had just to kind of like attempt to focus or take my mind off of things, whichever one I needed at the time. But it's kind of like subtle things like that if it's consistent then it might be worth trying to dig a little bit
0: with that person the approach is is how i might be able to connect with you was there any particular adult that you felt supported you
2: so there were um there were a couple people at the school that i felt really supported by but it didn't really have anything to do with, like, the job they had. I felt extremely supported by you, especially when you came to see me. I feel like most, if not all, of my teachers that I had that year would have been aware because of the fact that I was missing the final exams for the classes. The other teacher that I had mentioned, he was my Spanish teacher, so he was always a really big part of my support group in the school. So when I got out of the hospital and went back to the school to take my finals, he actually was present at the school with me the whole time. I know that I had a hard time connecting with a really good portion of my teachers. They would come in and they would teach and
0: that was it. Was there anything Was there anything you felt like you had that connected you to the community around you?
2: I mean, nothing really in particular, like I didn't, I never did any sports in terms of everything else. I really didn't venture far from my friendship circle that I had already had previously before going to high school.
0: Before your anxiety, what were some of the coping mechanisms that you use? So it, it kind of
2: depends on the situation that I'm in when I'm feeling anxious. A lot of the time, Being able to fidget with things is really helpful. Like I used to have an infinity cube, so that was really helpful. In terms of like classrooms, it was kind of harder for that stuff because teachers would see it as a distraction rather than a coping mechanism. So when I couldn't be using that, my focus actually suffered a lot. Like I had to fidget with my pens and pencils, which would anger other students because of the noise. So then I ended up just drawing in my notebooks, on my assignments, anything like that to kind of have something to put that focus towards. But even then, it's something that kind of takes away from the complete utter focus in the class that a lot of teachers seem to want. They want 100%, 100% of the time. But especially with anxiety, as as bad as mine is, sometimes I can only give 50 and giving 50 feels like 100 to me. So it's the best that I can do. But then knowing that it's not enough for them, just kind of makes it worse.
0: Can you tell me what 100% looks like to a teacher? Because I'm hearing the words that you're saying. And I'm thinking of the kids who are clicking their pencils or playing with something. And I'm thinking of how that's a distraction to me. But it's a coping mechanism. It's a focus trigger for you. So what what does it look like from a teacher's point of view when you're giving 100%? And what does 100% look like for you? Like when you're giving your 100%, what does it look like? Because I as a teacher have this vision of 100% and you giving 100% looks so very different. We're not going to meet ever because it looks so different. What it looks like for Kella to give 100% focus.
2: Throughout my experiences in the classroom, you know, you're always hearing the teachers like asking the students to be looking up front, looking forward, paying attention, especially while they're talking. And then they expect that for the 180 minutes that our long blocks were. It's things like that, that especially for me were really difficult because I can I can pay attention. Like I I can sit here and I can listen to you speak and I can put all of my energy towards doing that. But then when you're also expecting me to pay attention to you speaking, take good enough notes that I'll be able to rely on my own notes later on to study for the test that we're going to have the next day that I'm sitting there freaking out about because I don't test well. And then trying to figure out time to do my homework that you're now explaining. So it's just everything going on at the same time puts a lot of pressure. So I feel like teachers kind of expect or want students to be paying attention to get everything done. And, you know, if they need help, teachers expect everyone to just speak up if they need help, which is actually a lot harder for a lot of people. So I I feel like 100% to a teacher would be you know, the homework is getting turned in, they're paying attention in class, they're, you know, taking their notes, they're coming in to make up whatever it is they need to make up, when in reality, for me as a student, trying to give a hundred percent also meant blocking out everything in my brain, trying to focus on all of the words that are being spewed at me while trying to write them down to keep up with the teacher and to have it recorded in a way that makes sense to me later on to be able to use, while also trying to remember the information itself to be able to use for the homework later. In school, I could, could really only do one of those things really well. So if I focused that whole time listening and trying to remember, I would remember bits and pieces of the lecture but I wouldn't have been able to collect any notes to be able to use later on. Trying to do every single one of those little tasks when as a teacher you're seeing it as three tasks, it's just very overwhelming and it piles up.
0: So what happens when all of those things pile up and you have to do that that 100% for that teacher block after block for the six hours of the day? five days a week. What happens to that student who is doing everything they can to give that 100% that is clearly being expected of them by the teacher? What happens?
2: So it, it gets really overwhelming, especially if there are outside factors that don't have anything to do with school. So then you have all of that pressure from school that's just building up. So then when you leave school, you're like, finally, I'm done. And then they don't end up having the energy to be able to focus on the homework. But then they also have things going on at home that might affect how they do in school, which would affect their ability to focus and end up making them even more stressed out and unable to do the homework at home. For me specifically, it it was just really overwhelming and terrifying having all of that pressure on me from both school and home life and with my own personal issues inside my head. So all of that kind of led up to my year ending the way it did.
0: Can you say in your own words what, what you did your sophomore year when everything came to the point in which it did?
2: I tried to kill myself. It, everything
0: was just too much and I just I felt like I couldn't get away from it. What were some signs that you demonstrated that you had hoped adults would have seen that we missed?
2: So as I mentioned, like the drawing on my papers a lot, you know, when I would turn in empty papers that were just covered in everything except for the work that I was supposed to be doing because I just couldn't bring myself to do it. And I mean, I had reached out to a few teachers like at separate times just for it to not really work out.
0: What advice do you have for parents and teachers?
1: Okay, well, let's take the teachers first, because that's the easiest. Children with anxiety suffer from a variety of symptoms. They don't conform to what you learned in college about teaching kids. So you have to make allowances and move around to try and find out what's that's doing. If the class is too big, you can't do that. And it has to be done for people with any kind of mental health issue. And if that can't be done, they need to be put someplace else where they can get that help. As a parent, I should have recognized that was not working for you. And even though toward the end we tried to get you into that other section, which they wouldn't allow you to do, I should have put my foot down and taken you out of that school. They were not prepared except for a handful of teachers and two that I could fight were not prepared to deal with somebody with your kind of issues. And I should have pulled you out of there so that you had a chance to finish high school.
0: For the moms who are listening, were there things that maybe you dismissed because you might have been afraid to accept Kala's reality? There was information
1: coming from her father, information coming from her Product, information coming from the schools and none of it matched what I was seeing at home. So it was a matter of I'm going to trust my eyes versus what somebody else is telling me. And from that standpoint it's hard to judge what they're actually going through versus what they're telling me going through. It it, it was hard when Jenny was in there because it was a, it was a battle of everything under the sun at
0: the time. What I think you're saying, and as a mom, I'm totally hearing is to trust that your child is telling you the truth and that their reality may not match the reality of the other adults, but you have to trust your child's reality. Getting conflicting information from the adults in their world that I'm not that I'm placing my child in the care of and the conflicting information can be really hard to manage. It was a really shitty road, but I think
2: where we are now, even though some parts may not be ideal, is
0: all in all not a really bad place. When you look back on high school, what is something that makes you smile?
2: Definitely all of the experiences that I had
0: with my friends. If you could go back and give advice To the student that you were in high school, what advice would you give her?
2: I would probably say, I, I would probably tell myself that my life, even in like the extreme roads, like whether everything went exactly as I planned or if everything went absolutely horribly, neither one happened. I'm still somewhere that I wouldn't change for anything. Like not to get too upset when things don't work out. But to have a goal and still
0: try to work towards that goal. If you could have done something different that would have changed what happened, what might you have done differently?
2: I would not have taken two honors math classes my sophomore year. I absolutely would not have. I, I feel like if I hadn't taken the two honors math classes and if I was just in, you know, the regular math class, I would have been a lot less overwhelmed. And I feel like things would have been easier to handle. So I might not have gotten to the point that I did that year, because I know that I had goals that I kept trying to push on myself.
0: I thought, you know, I was gonna get some advice on teachers and educators on how to like handle drama in school and how to talk to kids when they're struggling with drama. But there's so much more here that many educators are going to get from this. I'm overly grateful to have had this opportunity to talk to somebody who has come so far, who has done great things, who is living proof that we can succeed even when others don't think we can. And this gift that you have given me be a gift that many others can hear. Both of you have done a really brave thing. And I want you to know that I couldn't be more grateful. Thank you for listening to this episode of Unimagined. I definitely missed Taylor during this interview. As you could hear, some of the conversations that I had with Kella really hit me hard emotionally. It wasn't the conversation I imagined I was going to have with her. And I hope that there are educators out there who heard this podcast and shared this podcast with other educators so we can all do better for everyone. No student, no child, no parent should feel those challenges to the point where they feel there is no other option for them. We all need to work to support each other you for listening to another episode of unimagined if this episode spoke to you like it if you think someone else could use it share it or if you know the student who has a story to tell connect them to us you can find me on twitter at lconnell 20 the theme music for this podcast was written and produced from a former colleague of mine, Keith McClendon, who is also an educator at a vocational school in Massachusetts.